Happy New Year, Keith. It's good to see you all here today. It is a new year. How, how many, what day did you notice the days getting longer? Yesterday? <clears throat> you haven't yet? Okay. <sighs> really, Amanda? December 23rd? You were extremely perceptive. If you noticed it, on, yeah. But it is a new year, isn't it? And we do know now that the days are getting a little longer. New year, I don't know. Is it an exciting time? Is it a time when you start to think about new things, about change? Or is it just the, you know, this is the darkest time of the year, folks. Let's get through it. Probably a bit of a mixed feeling about it. But New Year's is, we know whether we rail against it or whether we embrace it. New Year's is that time of year where a lot of us begin to think about, well, what kind of changes do I want to make? What do I want to learn this year? What is 2018 going to be about? What are some of the typical goals that people set for New Year's? First one is, okay, lose weight. That was the first one mentioned in the first ever two. Yes, and we all, it's because we all overate over Christmas, right? Lose weight. What are some of the other common goals that we hear over New Year's? Gain weight. Bob wants to gain weight. Well, for some of us, that is important too. Yeah. What's that? Get in shape. Yep. What else? Less Facebook. Yes. What else? Read more. Yeah. Multiple friends of mine are posting their reading list, desires, goals, whatever for 2018, right? Uh, other, other goals are typical of the new year. Stay organized. Yeah. Get organized. I was waiting for that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Some of us would like to stay organized. That would in- insinuate that at some point in our lives we were organized. Other typical goals in the New Year's? Accept what we have. So grow in contentedness. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, we all know, and some of us perhaps that kind of pull away from the whole goals thing at New Year's, it might be because we're still, you know, haunted by the ghosts of New Year's past, right? Where we had some pretty big goal lists, and let's be honest, they didn't go anywhere. So why do a lot of goals that we set, or why is it that we often don't experience success around goals? Thoughts? Yeah, try, absolutely. Try to take on too much, either either too many goals. Like I, I have a tendency to write like 27 goals for the new year, right? And they're all like super awesome. So if I had like 48 hours a day, I was superhuman and all that, I could maybe do it. But yeah, so too high, too many, too high, unattainable. Yeah, what, why else do we often fail or falter in achieving goals that we want to, you know, pursue in our lives? Why? We don't have a plan. Well, tell me more about that, Val. What do you mean? We don't have a plan. (laughs) I'll say. Yeah. Right. So we lack a plan or steps or some sort of practice that actually would move us toward that, right? Yeah. How so, Bonnie? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, that's really great. 
Others, do you want to share about what, why it's been tough for you or why you think it's tough for your friends at least? <laughs> okay. Um, as a goal, Faye, or, or, yeah, that's great. That's awesome. And we would need to, you know, we, as you know, Val even just said, we could sort of say that as a goal, but then asking, how do we do it? Yeah, when is that going to fit in the schedule? That's great. You know, uh, I don't know, there's probably lots of different reasons, but some of the reading research I did uh, said that one of the reasons why, or two reasons, I'm going to mention two, reasons why we fail to meet goals are often because we lack kind of compelling motivation for why we want to see that change happen. Or, as we talked about today, we don't have any kind of, like, concrete plan. The daily how. The big why and the daily how. If those are missing, it's hard to see any change come. And, and so we, we either have this big vision but don't have a plan to take place, or we have an idea of what we want to see, but we haven't really figured out, like, why do we want to see that change happen? Like, when we really pack, uh, unpack all the layers and pull it all back, What's the, what's the real big why that would motivate me and keep me motivated through, let's be honest, times when I'm not so motivated or times when I'm not so thrilled? These are two reasons why people often um, falter. We often falter in our, you know, achieving our goals. For the next two weeks, I, I want us to explore together our, our biggest why, the biggest why of all, and then try to conclude each of the messages with some practical daily how. I want us to explore the big why that would shape all of our lives, that would sit behind our various goals, whatever goal that might be, whether we set them personally or as a family or maybe in our business or our friendships, even goals that we as a community, as a church community set. And here's my encouragement for all of us, and I'm working this through myself, is that whatever that is, whatever plan we implement, whatever goal we set, that would all be connected to this biggest why. What is it? Let's read it together from Jesus himself, Mark chapter 12, a fairly familiar story. It's one of the central teachings of Jesus, Mark 12, 28 and following. Here it is. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. He heard Jesus debating with other people that were bringing different questions and arguments and things to Jesus. So he walks up in the middle of this debate. He hears it. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments... Which is the most important? Does anyone remember how many commandments, if you went through and collated them all in the Old Testament, how many commandments there were? What is it? There we go. A whole lot of them. So this guy says, look, Jesus, if you were to take this big list of 600 plus commandments and you were to order them by priority, which one would be at the top? That's essentially what he's saying. Which one would be the most important of all the commandments that God had given? Jesus has a very quick answer. The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and there's no other but him. To love him with all your heart and with all your understanding, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. 
when Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. Well, but I want to ask a question. So, so here, here's my question to you this morning. My question is this. What would happen if we spent more time setting our loves than setting our goals? Just think about that question. What would happen if we spent more time setting our loves than setting our goals? And don't get me wrong, because I love goals, and I'm a bit of a goal guy. I, I believe that by setting goals and envisioning change and planning steps, we can experience real change and transformation in our lives in, in areas that really count. I'm convinced that we grow more, whether it be physically or spiritually or relationally, we grow more when we're intentional than when we're lax. I think we could all agree that's true of our bodies, but it's true of every area of our lives. Goals are good. But what about our loves? This is the challenge that I'm hearing this week. What about our loves? Have we thought about those? Are we tending to the direction of our hearts, our souls, our minds, our strengths? So that the goals we have reflect our loves rather than our loves simply being reflective of the goals we've set? And what if... By setting our loves first and foremost and letting our our big goals and our little goals and our regular habits and our plans, letting them all be shaped by our loves, the loves that have been set first and foremost, what if we ended up accomplishing what God is dreaming for us in the new year? I mean, wouldn't that be better? Wouldn't that be greater? Wouldn't that be what it's all about? Could it be that God's goals... And our goals will be more aligned because we know that God has goals, right? He has goals for the world. He has goals for us, the church. He has goals for you individually. He has goals for your family. He has goals for the, from the nation, global political situations, right down to the, the very tiny communities that we're part of. God has goals. What if God's goals and our goals were more aligned, resulting in greater change in all the areas that really matter? Keith and I were talking, he, he talked, he, he, Keith came up with this this morning, we were chatting in coffee time, all of a sudden we'd be more in sync with God, right Keith? We'd be more in sync, because God's goals and our goals would be aligned. I'd like you to think about that with me. I, I'm just, this morning for the message, I, I'm just more sharing my heart as I've reflected on this this week as I'm coming into the new year, and I want to challenge you to think about it with me, to consider this question, for us to set our loves first. And I want you to take that away with you, and you'll be hearing that more this morning, to play around with this question. Would you do that? Not just now for the few minutes, but would you actually take some time this week and like sit down and hold this question in front of you for a while? Have a talk with the Father about setting your loves? Because what's striking me is, what if love, love for the Father, and, and as love for others, what if love was the motivation behind any kind of changes we wanted to make and see in our personal lives and our family rolling out from there? What if the changes we want to make in our bodies to eating and exercise, what, what if that was motivated by love, connected to the biggest why? What if changes we wanted to make in our family life 
and our attitudes toward others. In our work hours. What if changes in our finances, uh, the way that we're repaying debt or, or the way that we're thinking of our, our charitable giving? What if, what if changes we were wanting to make to our schedules and putting priorities in place and saying no to other things? What if love was the motivation for the goals in every area, in every relationship, from our consumer spending to our retirement planning? What if love was the driving force of it all and that it was based on the setting of our loves that we then began to implement life changing habits in our daily lives. Jesus, when he was asked point blank, as he is here, what's the most important thing in life? I mean, what is it? If you pair it all away, it's a big question for the Jewish people to ask because they believed it was all important. But what, if you pair it all away, if you bring it all down, what is the most important thing? Jesus famously responds, love God with all you are and love others like you love you because you tend to love you, Right? And so love God with all you are and love others like you love you. And today I want us to consider, uh, this is part one and part two. Next week we'll look at the second half. Today I want us to consider the first aspect of Jesus' response, loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. But I want you to hear as even we go into this that loving God and loving others cannot be pulled apart. I'm sure you've noticed that even here Jesus when he's asked to give the single greatest commandment, he makes two of them his response, right? Two of them. Loving God and loving others is the most important commandment. It's like grammatically incorrect, but he does it anyway to make a point. Loving God and loving others, singular, the most important commandment. He's quoting from Deuteronomy 4 and Leviticus 19. He's drawing them together and saying, This is the most important thing. But loving God does come first in order of priority. Even though it can't be isolated from from loving others. We see that all the way through scripture. The truth is, though, we can't love others. Nor can we even love ourselves without loving God first. And what we discover in the story of Jesus is that even more fundamentally, we can't love God or love others or love ourselves without first receiving God's love for us. We were reminded through Christmas of the words from 1 John 4, we love because he first loved us. It's God's love for us that is ultimately the priority. And out of that, we love in return. Jesus tells us the most important thing in life, the greatest commandment we need to keep is that we need to love God with all we are. And to to show us this all we are business, Jesus uses this common breakdown that's in Deuteronomy, you see it through the scripture, this breakdown of heart, soul, mind, and strength, quoting from the Hebrew scriptures. And throughout history, people have tended to take these four areas of, of different aspects of who we are, and sometimes they've done some funny things with it. I'll be really honest. Uh, They've thought of it in in interesting, unique ways as they reflected on what this means. And and, and it's important to realize that how uh, Jewish people and how Jesus would have seen the human person was was very much as a unified whole. So even when Jesus was talking about the different parts, he wasn't thinking of it the way that sometimes the Greek mind would think of it. They would kind of think of it as uh, people with sort of sealed compartments. Like, for example, they thought bodies have a soul in them an immortal soul but a terrible body and then the soul will be extracted or whatever and the body will die. They had a really kind of not a, a Christian view and certainly not a, a Hebrew view. So they, didn't, they saw it as sort of sealed compartments, but that's not how the Jewish people saw it and that's not how Jesus saw it. So even here, when Jesus is using these common, uh, this common language of body, 
you know, or sorry, body, heart, soul, mind, strength. He, what he's really trying to emphasize is that it's loving God with all that we are, with everything included. And he's drawing together these different aspects to say it's with every part of our lives. It's with every aspect in every relationship, in your body, your work, your recreation, your family, your thoughts, your intentions, your passions, your emotion, your focus, your energy, your effort. Everything about you is to be given over to the love of God. Nothing is excluded. And while this can seem, I think, for some of us, kind of old hat, like, oh, great. What was the sermon about this morning at church? Well, it's about how we're supposed to love God. Anything else? No. It can seem like old hat. I hope not, but it can. But do you know what struck me this week as I was reflecting on this? I realized that right at this moment, there's an astonishing truth that lies right underneath the surface. Jesus is asked, what's the most important commandment? The response is, love God. Do you realize what this means? This is astonishing. It means that God wants you to love him. It means that God wants to be loved by us. He wants our love. I think this is amazing. I actually think you could take that phrase... And just sit with it and meditate on it and reflect the fact that God wants to be loved by you. And it would change your life. It's just unique. This is a unique understanding of who God is. Unique in history, in time, through religion and philosophy. That the God who revealed himself in the Bible and ultimately in Jesus, this God doesn't just want a bunch of people who will obey him. He just doesn't want a bunch of minions who will serve him or a bunch of prostrate worshipers groveling on the ground. He doesn't want a bunch of people who are just sort of automatons. No. God desires our love. Now, all of that, worshiping and service and obedience, that is super important. God is worthy of it. But what we discover as we get right down to the core of the whole story is that God, what he really wants is us. What he really wants is you. And if you don't mind, Keith, I'm going to quote you again. If, is that okay if I tell what you said to me in the coffee break? Okay, thank you, Keith. Keith said to me, and this is when he said they were in sync, he said to me, my hope for the New Year is I grow in a more intimate relationship with Jesus. And I said to him, that's what Jesus wants too. And his response was, well, that's great because that means we're in sync. Bang on, Keith. Bang on. God wants our love. He wants to be relational before anything else. More than anything else, he wants our love. And as we hear from Jesus, not just a piece of it, not just a half measure or something left over after we've sort of parsed out everything we've got to give to everybody and everything, and, well, here's what we got left. That's not what God wants. God wants all of us, loving him fully, without reservation. That God our Father wants you and I to love him to be connected to him intimately with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our heart, with all of our strength. <clears throat> and even though I do believe that the primary emphasis Jesus is trying to make is on the all piece, I think it is actually helpful, this bit of a breakdown, with heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so one of the assignments I want to give you as you go home is that you would take this story this week. I'm not kidding. I'm not going to like lead you through all of this. I'm actually giving it to you to take this home. 
I'm putting the onus on you to do this. That you would go home this week and you would take 30 minutes and you would sit with a story and you would allow these four categories not to be the sealed compartments that divide everything up, but as ways of accessing the different aspects and areas of your life. That you would ask, you would sit with the Father and you'd, you'd open up with a time of prayer and you'd say, Father, I want to love you with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. That is my desire. And then you would go through these areas. You'd say, Okay, Father, in the area of my heart, how can I grow in my affection for you? How can I grow in my emotions for you? My passion to know you, to grow in understanding who you are. What's, what's in the way? What, what's stopping me? What's holding me back? What areas of my heart or my emotional life or, or what, what areas deep in my core am I, am I sort of withholding a bit? And why is that, Father? I want to love you with all of my heart. And from there, move on to soul. And those, these distinctions aren't meant to be sharp. But to say, I think when I think of soul, I think of our core identity. Like who, the who is who we are thing. When I think about the soul, I, I think about what, what gives me life. I, I think about the, who I am and how, how I want to, from the very center and the very core of who I am, to love the God who loves me, to love my Father, to love Jesus, to love the Spirit. And, and so to, to have this conversation, to say, what is it in the very core of who I am, deep in my soul that's often in turmoil or struggling, how can I love you more? How can I receive your love? How can I grow in my desire to be connected to you right from the core of who I am? How can I allow my identity to be more shaped by my relationship with you? And then on to our mind. The mind's a big one, right? We think. We, we have intentions. We, 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 we take a lot in, reading, uh, through media, uh, through conversations. What are we learning? What are we reflecting on? What are we allowing in? What are we shutting out? And to say, Jesus, I want to love God with all of my mind. And maybe it's repentance time for the ways you haven't been. But to say, can you show me how I can grow in this? Can you show me how I can love you with all of my mind? And then on from there to strength. Now, strength is an interesting one. I was challenged when I thought about this week. Do you realize, confession time, I've never really asked the question, how can I love God with more of my energy or with more of my strength or all of my strength? Like, what does that look like? Because you know, when I think of the word strength, I, I think of, well, strength, but I think of energy, I think of focus, I think of effort. I think of putting, you know, putting a serious intention into something. And I've never really thought about it in this way, that Jesus said, Take your energy, take your effort, take your strength and love God with all of it. And I think that covers a lot of areas in our lives. Maybe all these categories cover a lot of areas in our lives. But my invitation to you, my challenge to you, is you would take 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour this week to sit with the Father and sit with this story and, and let him lead you through a conversation around these four areas. and Let it be a prayer to the Father, that you would love him with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength.
Well, that's all great and fine. I can hear some of you saying. What happens when we do that? Like when we set our loves? Because I, for one, immediately think, yep, I'm going to set my loves. And guess what? It's going to be just like setting my goals. I'm going to be awesome until about Tuesday afternoon. And then I will not be so awesome anymore. And then, to make matters worse and more discouraging, Jesus wants us to love the Father with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, which I'm not going to last out the day. Are you? Who's going to last out the day with that one? Nobody, right? So at this moment, we realize, okay, great. Jesus said, this is the most important thing we're to do. We're to love God with all heart, mind, soul, and strength. I'm not going to be able to do that. Like, not a chance. I am going to blow it by the end of the service, I bet. Let alone the day, let alone the week. And most of us know that. And some of us who think we're able to maybe do it, you're even bigger trouble. (laughs) Somebody's got to lead you to the light. Because we're not going to be able to do it, right? But here's the thing. As I was reflecting and praying about this week, I realized it's at that very moment when we realize the cold truth that we are not going to be able to love God as Jesus has told us to do. The most important thing, we're not able to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's at that very moment that we can all breathe a huge sigh of relief. Do you know why that is? Because if it were theoretically possible, most of us would be in trouble anyway, right? But what we discover is, through the whole story of the Bible, is that this greatest command is something that Jesus was able to do. Jesus fulfilled the greatest command. He loved his father perfectly with all of his heart, with all of his soul, with all of his mind, with all of his strength. He did it. And what we understand as we read the whole story is that Jesus, when he came and responded to the father and loved the father perfectly, he did it in our names. He did it in our place. He did it as a representative of Bill, a representative of Marvin, Rita, and Donna. He did it as your representative. He stood in your place and he said, yeah, I know they're not going to be able to do it perfectly. I'm going to do it for them. I once heard a speaker said, anything worth doing well is worth doing poorly at first. Anyone who's had kids taking violin lessons in their house or something knows, well, you hold on to that truth, don't you? Anything worth doing is worth doing poorly. And I think what we realize in the life of Jesus is, yeah, he loved the Father perfectly He did it in our place. He did it on our behalf. And then he says, come follow me. I've already made the right response to the Father for you. Now you in freedom, without guilt, without oppression, without this idea that, oh my goodness, if I mess up, then the Father's going to say, what a loser. I wanted you to love me with all your heart, mind, soul, strength. And look at you. You didn't even last out Sunday. Aren't you thankful we don't have that? It's a huge, this is like the best news we've ever gotten. That the the right response, the greatest commandment has already been met in Jesus. And then when we place our trust in him, God the Father says, oh, look at at Bill. Man, Bill's awesome. Bill's walking around in Jesus, and Jesus has done everything, and look at him growing, it's great. We can live free and forgiven because of what Jesus has done for us. And so somehow in this, 
things begin to shift for us. Because it's kind of a paradox, right? On one hand, we are not able to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, strength. Not a chance. But on the other hand, by the Holy Spirit's power, and as we live life in Jesus and, 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 and trusting his completed work, we are able to, and here's the shift, we are able to love God with more of our heart, with more of our soul, with more of our mind, and more of our strength every day we follow Jesus. And in those inevitable times, Tuesday afternoon, Thursday morning, Saturday night, when we stumble and fall, what does Jesus do? He does not come up and smack us on the side of the head. and say, you dummy, I did all this for you, and look what you've done. That's not what Jesus does. He comes, he picks us up, he brushes off, he says, hey, keep following me. Just keep coming. It's okay. It's okay. I've given you my spirit. I've done it all for you. Let's keep following. Let's get closer to the, the Father. Let's discover more of his love for us. Let's discover more of our love for him. We don't need to do it all because Jesus has. But in his grace and his strength, we can experience more of God's love even as we learn to love God more. That, to me, is good news, friends. And I hope today, as you face the new year, that you can embrace that, that you can take courage in that, that the Father who loves you passionately and wants you to love him more and more has done everything possible in Jesus and by the Spirit for you to do that. Well, how can we take this home practically? I've already mentioned a lot of what I'm challenging you to do. I've talked about how I'm challenging you to take this home, to take this story from Mark 12 home, to take a half an hour, an hour. Every one of you, without exception, can carve that out of your week. I know you can. And if setting our loves is important, I think you should. That's as pressurizing as I'll get. But to take this story and let the Spirit, in conversation with the Father, just walk you through areas of your life and just make that a time of thanksgiving and a time of prayer as you ask the Holy Spirit to help you love the Father more. And then, I want to challenge you in that conversation to begin to think about the plan, as Val said. The daily how. What are some of the practices you can put into place? Simple practices. I want to recommend to you, if you missed it, Dana's message last week. Excellent message on how we can practically move forward, not by setting these huge goals that we're barely going to hit on a good day, let alone a bad one, but rather simple daily or or regular habits that we put into our lives that will keep us moving in the right direction, will keep us reoriented around who God is. To write that down, what would a daily practice be for you? I'll tell you what mine is for 2018. So for 2018, I'm praying what's called the daily office, which for my charismatic, non-liturgical roots is about the weirdest word I've ever heard applied to prayer. But that's what it is. It's called the daily office. It's four set prayers throughout the day. One in the morning, one at lunch, one at supper, and one before I'm going to bed at night. Now, I have missed lots of them already. Just letting you know. And when I miss one, I don't beat myself up. I just pick up the next one and keep going. It's great. Those practices for me already here, just a few days in a weekend, they've helped me already. Yesterday, I had a super discouraging conversation with somebody. One of those conversations that pastors are delighted to have every once in a while that keep us humble. 
very discouraging. And I could have wallowed around in that discouragement for a couple hours. But then I went to my midday prayer. And in my midday prayer, it was quite short. I could not believe how the Holy Spirit used this set prayer to minister to me. To remind me of his love for me. To shore me up. To tell me what's true. To clear away the clutter. To keep me moving forward. The Holy Spirit used that. It was a, it's a very simple practice. What I'm doing, I'm telling you anyone could do. Especially if you adopt my, my strategy of if you miss something, you just keep moving. So no guilt. So simple strategy, a daily how, that keeps me on that. My, one of my goal, well, goals, my loves this year, is to grow in my love for God and my connection and intimacy and prayer. And so these, this daily office, these four prayers can do that. And yesterday I was reminded of how powerful that is. That in a moment, instead of me, which I probably, I'll be just true, I, I would have wallowed around a, a lot longer in discouragement, I'm telling you. Playing over the conversation in my head and wishing I'd been a little more, you know, me. Because I'm never like that. You know, all the things you tell yourself afterwards you wish you would have said. and Instead of just nodding. The Holy Spirit drew me out of that because there was a daily how in place. So I challenge you as, you as you walk through this conversation this week of how you can grow in your love for God, that you would also ask the question, what's a daily practice I can put in place? What's a regular habit that I can put into place in my life? Something I can do. And if you are struggling for one, I can suggest some for you. But so can lots of others to help us continue to grow in our understanding of God's love for us and in our love for him. As we close today, I want to offer you a blessing through a song. The song is called Valorica. Steve Bell has made it very popular. He didn't write it. He writes lots of great songs, but he didn't write this one. Valorica comes from St. Patrick's uh, a prayer attributed to him. And it's a prayer of protection. It's a prayer where we ask um, the, the triune God to, to be around us and to protect us. It's a huge, long thing, so it's been shortened down for the song. Um, you can look it up sometime, but I want to offer this as a blessing to you and a, and a prayer for us because all of this growing in our love for God and understanding of his love for us, I don't know about you, but I need help. That's what we've been talking about. And so as we conclude today, I want to offer this as a prayer for you. And uh, I pray that it will be a blessing for you as, as we conclude and as, as, as you're sent.